Welcome to the Awareness Offerings Podcast, a weekly offering of yoga philosophy discussion and guided meditation for the moments we're living in. I'm your host, Laura Tara Davy Joplin. I'm a yoga and meditation teacher, spiritual social media strategist, and integrative counselor, working to integrate the principles of the spiritual path into every aspect of my work and my life. This podcast is an extension of that work as I navigate the world as a white woman devotee of yoga, living at many intersections of privilege, living in the West, and trying to live with awareness. Thank you for joining me in this work. You're listening to episode 18, More Than Awareness. Welcome back. Happy to be here with you as always. A little... PSA slash FYI that I am recording this podcast in my garage currently, uh, which is essentially outside. It's got one big open door, so you may hear some outside noises, some neighborhood noises, some city noises, just to give you uh, full awareness of the sensory experience that you're going into here. As always, if you'd like to support this experience, this podcast, the best ways you can do so are by rating and leaving a review on whatever platform you're using to listen. And if you feel called to share on social media or by word of mouth, I am really grateful for that as well. But as always, my deepest gratitude is to get to share these uh, weekly deep dives with you into some yoga philosophy and meditation. It's an honor and I love to do it. So welcome and here we go. We're going to go into our traditional opening ritual of singing the sound of Om one time together. Om is the sound of consciousness. It is a Sanskrit word, and each Sanskrit word has a vibration. It has a certain energetic resonance, and that energetic resonance is almost more important than the direct meaning or translation. So Om is said to be the energetic resonance of pure consciousness, pure awareness, and when we sing it, we're asking for it. We're asking for for pure awareness. And since this is awareness offerings, that's how we start. So as always, you can join me in this practice by singing OM out loud, or you can just listen silently. Both are practice. And if you're coming along with me, I'll invite you to get your body into a comfortable position. Feel free to close your eyes, gaze down the tip of your nose, or gaze at the floor. Whatever is safe for you to do right now, especially if you're driving or doing something, and whatever's supportive to just make your internal gaze a little more prominent than your external gaze for a moment. And then I'll invite you to take a deep breath in through your nose if nostril breathing is accessible for you today. And exhale through your nose, clearing the path for consciousness with your breath. And then we'll take another deep breath in for one sound of OM together. Thank you for joining me in that practice. And now we'll go into this week's discussion. So the title of this episode, the topic that I'm centering this discussion and this practice around is more than awareness. And the reason that I am talking about the concept of more than awareness is because I don't think awareness is enough. 
I don't think awareness is enough. And I know that's a relatively bold statement to make in general, especially for someone who has based my entire life and my entire work upon the practice of yoga, uh, which is essentially a practice of awareness, of living um, in a conscious way, of living radically present to reality. That's what yoga means to me. And I am a yoga and meditation teacher. I am a spiritual social media strategist working with my own offerings and other people who offer um, kind of spiritual yogic awareness offerings, if you will. Um, I am an integrative counselor, so I integrate the modalities of yoga and meditation into counseling and therapy. Uh, so my entire life is based on awareness anyway. Um, and then I have based this entire podcast, this whole offering on the concept of awareness, i.e. awareness offering. So I know for a lot of reasons, it's really bold to say, I don't think awareness is enough. But it is a discovery I made recently. Um, I I often base these discussions around um, just things that I've discovered within myself, kind of in real time when I'm moving through something or there's something going on in the world and I discover that I hold a certain belief or that I um, just feel a certain way or that I just learn a certain concept in a new way. Um, I often use that for this podcast and that's something that I recently learned about myself is that I don't think awareness is enough. And I will absolutely explain more about what I mean by that throughout this podcast. Um, But that's the basis of what we're talking about is being aware of things is only the first step, I think, Um, which is kind of wild again, because everything I do in sharing this podcast with you is about being aware of different things. Um, But I also, after we, you know, we do our philosophy discussion, then we go into guided meditation. And usually at the end of each meditation, if not most of the meditations that I share, um, I say, and then take it with you. Basically, once we end the formal meditation, I invite you to kind of notice if you can still sort of feel the the depth or the stillness of the effects of meditation. Um, And I offer an invitation to then know that that goes with you, that the practice doesn't really stop. Um, So even though awareness, being aware of our lives, ourselves, our patterns, our world in different ways is the name of the game here on awareness offerings and indeed in my work and my life, I I think it's only the first step. And I've come to discover that in a really deep way um, as I observe myself, as I observe um, people around me, life around me but mostly myself, um, because even though I might use examples that involve people outside of me, as I explain what I mean when I say awareness isn't enough, um, I am always turning it back toward myself, because that's another one of the key teachings of awareness that I've been given by my spiritual teachers is the, um, it's not usually the most conscious thing to point the finger outward at other people to live with radical awareness, radical presence. We kind of always have to turn it toward ourselves, turn the awareness, the discernment about how we're showing up, um, how our patterns, how our pain, um, just how we are, are contributing to the events of our lives and the situations that we're in, um, that awareness is, is usually the most important thing. And it's not about blaming ourselves, especially when um, we are in pain or we are in the midst of tragedy or betrayal or anything like that. Um, 
in those cases, it's more awareness around where's our power, right? What do we have control over in certain situations? Um, but essentially, uh, it's always about, <laughs> um, not always, but very, very often about turning the awareness back toward ourselves. Um, so I offer that kind of as a disclaimer. Even as I speak about things and people outside of myself, I'm coming at this concept of awareness is not enough from the primary lens of how can I show up in that? How does that show up in my life? Where can I? I um, more deeply embody the truth that it takes more than just awareness to live with awareness and to live in a way that is conscious. Um, because that's what I'm trying to do. That's one of the uh, intentions of this podcast is um, me sort of navigating the world as I try to live with awareness and learning out loud for the benefit of anyone else who's trying to live with consciousness and awareness. Um, so here we go. Awareness is not enough. <laughs> and Primarily what I mean when I say that, I'm, I'm referring to um, awareness of our patterns, right? Awareness of different ways that we have kind of learned to be in the world through conditioning, um, through learned experience, through our life experience, through the teachings of our family, our schools, our um, spiritual communities, whatever it is, um, our patterns. When I say our patterns, I mean these different ways that we have learned to be in the world um, that may or may not be beneficial to ourselves or others. Um, when I say patterns, it doesn't have to always mean, there's not always a value judgment attached to the word patterns. I don't always mean that our patterns have to be bad, right? Our patterns can also be really um, healing. They can, they can help us grow, right? Patterns are not always bad. Um, so they can kind of be neutral. But for the purposes of this discussion, I'm, I'm talking about the patterns uh, that we that don't necessarily serve us, that don't necessarily help us or benefit others, right? The patterns that can cause a little friction, that can be a little unconscious for ourselves and others. Um, so I'm talking about awareness of our patterns. And when I say awareness is not enough, that's basically essentially what I mean, is that to be aware of our own patterns is actually not enough to live from a place of consciousness, to live in a way that benefits ourselves and others. And I want to sort of add another disclaimer. This is a podcast full of disclaimers because it's a really deep and nuanced topic. Um, and FYI, I really just decided about 10 minutes before I sat to record that this was definitely what I was going to talk about. And I don't know that I knew what I was getting into with this deep and nuanced topic. Um, but another disclaimer. When I say awareness of our patterns is not enough, I don't mean that it doesn't matter to be aware of our patterns. It absolutely matters. In order for any growth, any transformation, any benefit to ourselves and others to happen, it has, we have to become aware of our patterns. That is the foundation of anything else, um, any other kind of growth work or healing work, if you will, that we do. We have to be aware first. So I want to be really clear that being aware of our patterns is important. It is powerful. It's courageous to be willing to be aware of our patterns, to be with the reality of who we are, even if it's messy and not necessarily pretty. It's courageous. And again, it has to happen before transformation can. Awareness of our patterns has to happen before transformation can. What I'm essentially discovering, learning, and now saying out loud to you in this podcast is that it can't stop there. 
It can't stop with just being aware of our patterns. We can't just say, oh, I'm aware that this is how I act or this is how I think um, and just expect that to then kind of make it okay, especially if it's a pattern that is harmful to us or keeps us stuck or um, causes friction or even harm to other people. We can't just say, oh, I'm aware that that's happening um, and then just allow that to be what it is. Because um, if we are aware of our patterns and we're not really doing anything to change them or to heal them or to um, transform ourselves so that they don't harm us or other people, We can actually be causing more harm with those patterns than we would if we just didn't know that what our patterns were. So what I mean by that is if if there is a certain pattern, a certain way of being that I have and I don't know about it and it's hurting me or someone else, it's still hurting me and, and, and that other person or that other person or whoever, right? It's still causing harm. But there's sort of a different degree of harm that's happening if I know that I have a pattern, if that I have a way of being that's causing harm to myself or keeping me stuck or keeping other people stuck. If I know about it and I'm choosing not to do anything about it, if I am aware, if I have that awareness and I'm still sort of just allowing it to happen, that's almost a degree deeper <laughs> the the harm that's happening the the unconsciousness that's happening is almost a degree deeper a little more sticky um, than it would be if we just didn't know so that's what I'm getting at here is awareness of our patterns is simply the first step it's simply the first um, it's the foundation and an incredibly important and powerful one, but we have to take it beyond simply awareness. It has to be more than awareness, hence the title of this episode. And I'll give a few before I talk about exactly what I think more than awareness means. And I want to emphasize the word I think, because as always, this is me learning out loud and inviting you in beside me. So these are just my thoughts um, based in what I've studied and learned with different spiritual teachers and yoga and life experience. So it is I think. But before I talk about what I think it means to go beyond just awareness and embody that more than awareness (laughs) Um, I'll give a few examples of what I mean when I'm talking about being aware of our patterns, but having that not quite be enough. Because I know that I've explained it quite a few different ways with with all these different kind of words and phrases here. Um, But I know that just explaining it in sort of these vague high level terms can kind of sound a little jargony and it might not be... um, easy to fully connect with what exactly I'm saying um, without examples. I think that uh, real world examples might make it easier to understand exactly what we're discussing here. So I'll give a few examples kind of starting at the micro level, starting with me and then sort of branching out into different ways that this shows up in the world. And it's starting with me. I will start with how I embody this concept because, again, I am speaking to this through the lens of knowing that I have work to do in this too, that I am a human who has patterns, different ways of being that might not serve myself or others, um, and that uh, not only do I need to be aware of them, but I need to go beyond just awareness. So I'll start with me. One of my patterns that shows up in 
kind of just day-to-day life is that I can be a little thoughtless. And in general, I have uh, an open heart. I am a compassionate human. I, I, my spiritual name, the name I was given uh, through my yoga lineage is Tara Devi. I am named for the Tibetan Buddhist goddess of compassion, the female Buddha of compassion. Um, so I'm not trying to be overly hard on myself by saying that, but I can be kind of thoughtless in little ways in that I don't always put two and two together. I don't always make connections, um, in a way that can then, um, just sort of cause a little, little extra stickiness for, for other people. Um, so for example, the other night I got home and my beloved roommate was in the living room doing a coloring, she was coloring something, um, kind of a mindfulness coloring, um, practice that she, that she has, she was coloring. Um, and we don't have an overhead light in our living room and the light that we have hung up is not exactly super bright. So she had the kitchen light on, or excuse me, the dining room light on, Um, And our dining room is directly behind our living room. So she was using that kind of brighter light to shine into the living room to give her light to color by. And sort of without thinking about it, I walked in and I dimmed the light. Um, Just, I think because I tend toward dimmer light and it was later um, and there was probably some illogical (laughs) um, idea in my mind about like less bright light saving energy. I don't know. I don't know why I did it. Hence the fact that this is me being thoughtless. So I dimmed it um, and she asked me, oh, did you just dim the light? And I said, yes, I did. And she said, oh, I was using it, but I'm glad that I'm not going crazy and just imagining that the light is dim. Um, And I have said, I'm sorry, I didn't think about it. And I just went and I turned the light back up. And that was as simple as that. Um, And it was easily fixable. So this is kind of a a small example, but a real example nonetheless. That is what I mean when I say that one of my patterns is I can be a little thoughtless. Sometimes I get caught in just my perception of a moment, of of a situation, of reality, and I act from that place without quite putting two and two together about how that might affect other people in the situation. So that's one of my patterns. And I am aware of that. I am becoming aware of that more and more um, as I live with a roommate, which I've done before, but I've lived um, this right now. My my current roommate and I just moved into a house together in April of this year, April of 2021. Um, And beforehand, I lived with my parents for some time um, as I was finishing my undergraduate program. And before that, I was just kind of living in college style apartments and wasn't really um, interacting with my roommates very much, which is kind of another pattern of mine. It was that was on my social anxiety. Um, And I just um, it was just sort of a shared living space. And I wasn't really intentionally living with them in a collaborative way. So I'm living in this house with my roommate now. And it is one of kind of the first real collaborative partnership living situations that I'm in. So as I am in that situation for the first time, I'm learning more and more about this pattern of sort of just small thoughtlessness um, that I can get into in my life. So I'm aware of it. And that awareness is not enough. Because if I'm simply aware that sometimes I don't put two and two together and I can act thoughtlessly in a way um, that um, doesn't help the people around me, if I just know that, okay, cool, I know it. But there's really nothing stopping me from continuing to do little thoughtless things um, that can cause inconvenience or annoyance or stress for the people around me. Just knowing it doesn't really help that happen. Knowing it and intentionally acting with deeper awareness of the people around me and considering 
everyone else's kind of perspective on the moment that I'm in and then acting from that place is the only way that I'm going to stop doing things that cause, you know, thoughtless things that cause stress for other people. So in that way, my awareness is not enough. So that's my example with me is that I can be a little thoughtless and I know that, but just knowing it isn't going to stop me from doing thoughtless things. It has to go a little bit beyond that. Now I will offer an example that has to do with romantic uh, interactions. <laughs> um, I primarily am romantically attracted to men, though I am sexually attracted to people of all genders. Um, but I primarily date men. And this next statement comes with incredible compassion um, and love. I am just aware that we live in a world where men are not exactly taught um, how to process their emotions um, in a meaningful, connected way or to just practice emotional intelligence. And there are a lot of men who are aware of that and actively working to um, remedy that within themselves. And it is not the fault of individual men. It's a systemic issue that we live in a society that does not teach men how to be incredibly emotionally intelligent. It's hard work that men typically have to do on their own. And in dating men and interacting with men as potential romantic partners, I have come across men who are aware. <laughs> they are aware that they can act and be and interact with me and women and people in ways that are not emotionally intelligent. They are aware that they can come from a place that is not emotionally intelligent. They have like there's there have been actual times when they've expressed that to me. <laughs> but... <laughs> they still keep acting in ways that are not emotionally intelligent. And I'm not saying that's, this is just a personal example of lived experience. It's happened to me. Um, this is not a, a full generalization. Um, I know I'm, I'm sounding kind of not all men over here, but I do, I just, I want to come from an open and compassionate place of this. That is not a sweeping generalization. It's a personal lived experience that I've come across men who know that they um, can lack a little bit of emotional intelligence they have expressed that that they know it and yet they continue to act in ways that lack emotional intelligence and that's another example of yes the awareness is powerful but it kind of is not enough because if you're aware but you're continuing to act in ways that are not emotionally intelligent you're continuing to cause harm pain stress for other people and likely for yourself so that's my example that sort of branches out into romantic partnership and now I'll go even broader into systems of oppression. And because I am a white woman with all of the uh, privileges that that carries, I'll speak, um, I'll speak specifically of the system of oppression uh, that is systemic racism, something that I benefit from as a person who is white. Um, I can be aware like, like the statement that I just made, that I benefit from systemic oppression, uh, from the systemic oppression of, of black folks. I can be aware of it. I can know it. I can say that I know it, all that I want. But again, it's kind of like, okay, cool, I know that. But if I just know it, and I'm not doing anything to disrupt the ways that I personally benefit from the system of white supremacy and the ways that white supremacy in general operates, 
I am still participating in a system that causes harm to black folks and directly and indirectly causing harm to black folks. So again, the awareness is just not enough. And now we've kind of gone from micro to macro in these examples of, of when awareness is not enough. And now I will relate it to the practice of yoga the spiritual system that forms the foundation for my life, my self-study, my spiritual practice, and all the work that I do. And I'll say before I speak specifically about how I think this relates to yoga, it all relates to yoga. Anyway, everything that we've been talking about relates to yoga. Because again, yoga is in so many ways a willingness to be present, which is a willingness to be kind of radically in contact with reality. And all of these different examples are ways that we can be aware and be radically in contact with reality. Um, but being radically in contact with reality also encompasses being willing to kind of turn that discernment back toward ourselves and say, okay, now that I know what I know, things I maybe didn't know before, but now that I know what I know and I can't unknow it about my patterns, what am I going to do? Because if I know what I know and I continue to act in those same old ways, that we're rooted in unconsciousness, I'm still rooted in unconsciousness. So all of that work is yoga. But how I think this concept of awareness is not enough, it's got to be more than awareness, how I think that relates to yoga in a more kind of explicit and direct way is kind of what I alluded to at the beginning of this episode in speaking about how at the end of every meditation or almost every meditation, after we come out of the formal practice and I invite people to open their eyes and, and kind of notice how they're feeling, I always invite, um, the, I always offer the invitation, offer the, um, yeah, the invitation <laughs> that the, the practice doesn't really end. What matters is now that we take the experience, the benefits, the qualities of awareness, compassion, consciousness, truth that we touched into in the formal space of meditation uh, and embody them in the world. And that, I think, is both how yoga relates to this idea and how we start to embody the idea that awareness is not enough and that we have to do more than awareness because it is that moment of deciding, okay, now I'm aware of my patterns. Now I'm in touch with the present moment because I've meditated, whatever it is, and deciding to say, okay, now I'm going to align my actions with that in some way. So if it is my example of me being thoughtless, how I might align my actions with my awareness of that pattern is, you know, when I walk into a room, when I come home um, to my house with my roommate, looking around at what's happening and considering kind of what her experience of the house is in addition to mine, really consciously. Um, and maybe even journaling about that, right? Just to kind of um, train my brain into that awareness. Writing can help train our brains in different ways. So maybe that would be how I take some kind of aligned action and kind of take that into my life um, in a way that then sort of starts to slowly transform the pattern. For the example that I gave of men, <laughs> um, knowing that they can act in ways that are not emotionally intelligent, but still acting in ways that are emotionally um, unintelligent. <laughs> the, the aligned action that goes beyond just the awareness could be 
you know, it's interesting. It's interesting to sit here and, and brainstorm ways that men could be more emotionally intelligent because as a woman, it's not really my responsibility. <laughs> um, however, it could be just compassion practice, right? Um, actively, if, if a man is romantically involved with a woman or women, actively bringing them to mind. Um, and just like I um, gave the example of, you know, thinking about what is my roommate's experience of the house right now, these men could actively bring the women they're dating to mind and just spend purposeful time thinking, I wonder what, it, what their experience of this relationship is. Systems of oppression. If I am aware that I benefit from systems of oppression. I have to go beyond that awareness by taking actions that give my privilege away, right? Whether that is passing on an opportunity that could go to a person of color, whether that is putting my body in between a person of color and someone that could harm them, it has to go beyond the awareness into the action. And of course, it could also mean the action of reallocating resources, right? Giving funds um, directly to people of color or organizations that benefit people of color. Um, and in yoga, it's, it's that, that practice of sitting in awareness, going into the practices of breath, meditation, whatever it may be, and then consciously deciding to live the next moment after the meditation from the lens of that awareness maybe a little slower, a little more present, a little more kind, whatever it is. And maybe the next moment after that, we continue to live through the lens of that awareness. And then maybe the next moment after that, we continue to live through the lens of that awareness until we are living life off the cushion, off the yoga mat, whatever it is, through the lens of the same awareness that we're cultivating on the mat. And as I give all these examples of what it means to not just have the awareness, but really purposefully live our lives through the lens of the awareness that we cultivate our, about our patterns uh, so that we can transform them, I'm struck by how much of it involves compassion, right? For me, the compassion practice of deeply purposefully considering what my roommate's experience of our house is when I walk in. For men who date women, um, or anyone really, deeply experiencing the, or deeply considering the experience of their partner um, in a purposeful, practiced way. And of course, compassion is a key ingredient, though it takes much more than just compassion, but a key ingredient in taking aligned action uh, that disrupts systems of oppression. And so when we're talking about embodying more than just awareness it takes compassion and it essentially just means okay i have the awareness now how can i look at now after the moment of awareness happens how can i look at the next moment through the the lens of that awareness and act through that act through the lens of that awareness and then how can i look at the moment after that through the through the lens of that awareness and act through the lens of that awareness and then the moment after that, how can I look at it through that same lens of awareness and act through the lens of that awareness? So awareness is powerful. Awareness is not enough, but awareness is a lens through which we can look and then act to start to transform ourselves, our relationships, and our world. So let's do that. Let's cultivate awareness through the practice of meditation and then 
offer ourselves the deep invitation to look at the moment right after meditation ends through the lens of the awareness we cultivated and then act through that lens and then keep that happening moment after moment. So here's what we'll go into embodied meditation practice on the Awareness Offerings podcast. We'll sit for practice. So if you're not in a position to do that right now, this might be a time to pause and come back when you are. If you're coming along right now, I'll invite you to find a comfortable seat, which as always is any seat, as long as you can lengthen your spine. You could sit on the floor with your legs crossed, classical meditation position. You don't have to. You can also sit on a chair, sit on your bed. You could put your back against the wall. If you're on the floor, I will invite you and encourage you to put something under your hips, whether it's a pillow, cushion, blanket, towel. Just lift your hips higher than your knees, which will be beneficial for your lower body and your back. You don't have to sit with your legs crossed either if you are on the floor. You can sit with your legs extended, knees bent, feet on the floor. Really, as long as your spine is long and open, that's that's the key because the spine is the central line of the body. It is said to be where all of our energy moves and it's where the nervous system, it's kind of the, the pathway through which our nervous system sends signals to the brain and body. So when the spine is upright, things are just communicating well with each other. Things are connected. Things are flowing. So just finding your long upright spine, wherever you go to find that. And then you can close your eyes, gaze softly at the floor or gaze down the tip of your nose, just softening your external awareness and prioritizing your internal awareness for these few minutes. And first, just touch into awareness of your breath if that's something that feels okay for you. Just noticing as your inhales come in through your nostrils and then move back out. If nostril breathing is possible for you, as always, just in and out through the nose. You don't have to do anything with your breath yet. It's not something you have to judge or change. You just watch it like you would watch the clouds or the ocean. And when we're talking about awareness, breath awareness is one of the most fundamental tools through which we can practice it. It's awareness of something simple and clear that's happening right now. And it's almost like the most micro, the most simple level that we can practice awareness on, awareness of the breath. And then we can slowly start to take that awareness to deeper and deeper places, awareness of our emotions, awareness of our relationships, awareness of our systems, right? But it can start with breath awareness. So we'll start with breath awareness. You might even use your mind to help you practice breath awareness, just inhaling and saying to yourself, aware that I'm breathing in, aware that I'm breathing out, aware that I'm breathing in, aware that I'm breathing out. Just using the sound of your mind to facilitate awareness rather than just allowing the mind to turn over and over again with the constant movement of thoughts. 
the thoughts will happen and it's okay. It's one more thing to be aware of. But you can consciously direct your mind toward more awareness. In this case, awareness of the breath. Just inhaling, aware that I'm breathing in. Exhaling, aware that I'm breathing out. Just establishing your simple breath awareness. holding yourself in a container of awareness that can start in this moment and go with you into all others. Now that we've established some breath awareness, I will invite you into just a different degree of breath awareness that can sort of give us even more to be aware of. Maybe deepen the awareness a little bit just by deepening the breath a little. If it doesn't feel good to do so, you can stay in that first practice of just inhaling simple breath, aware that I'm breathing in, exhaling, aware that I'm breathing out. Or you can shift into an ujjayi breath, which is a really foundational yogic breath. Ujjayi means victory. So I like to think of it as victory of the breath over the mind, right? Victory of awareness over unconsciousness, whatever you might, uh, whatever words you might use. But it involves a soft H sound like the ocean or like a sigh at the back of the throat on the inhale and the exhale. So you can start by just taking a natural breath in and then exhale like you're trying to sigh, but with your mouth closed and then inhale the same way, a tiny constriction at the back of your throat for that sighing sound and exhale with that H sound. Inhale with that H sound. Exhale with that H sound. And keep going at your own pace. And that'll be the practice for the next few moments. This H sounding, this ujjayi breath. a way of making the breath a little louder having the breath take up a little more space so that there's a little more there's a few more inroads a few more avenues with which we can be aware of our breathing we can really listen to that robust sound we can really feel the length and depth of each breath But it remains the simple, powerful, clear, open practice of breath awareness here. 
breath awareness as the tool by which to be aware of our present moment experience. Be aware of ourselves and how we're interacting with that present moment experience. And then perhaps eventually take that awareness out into the world through action, conscious action. But for now, the conscious action can just be your ujjayi breath, sitting with it, listening to it, being with it. Take another deep ujjayi breath in and let it out. One more time like that, inhaling and exhaling. And then release any effort on the part of your breath. Just let it do what it does. When the effort is done, the essence is what remains. So just feeling the essence of that practice of awareness. Sitting with what awareness feels like for you right now when you've just taken a few moments to be with your breath. Just keeping the intentional inner stillness, settledness, quiet, clarity, whatever qualities arise for you when you practice awareness, just holding those like you would like hold a kitten or a flower, right? You can start to blink your eyes open, but open them about halfway or even a tenth of the way. Just peek out if you can. It might feel funny at first, so your eyes might kind of blink rapidly. That's okay. But we're practicing looking inward and out at the same time. So in your field of vision, you might see both the top of your eyelid, kind of that darkness of your eyelid, and a little sliver of what's in front of you. And you just practice looking at both. Kind of an open eye meditation. 
looking out and in at the same time to represent that capacity to take the awareness we cultivate in practice and in knowing ourselves out into the world, into our relationships, our lives through aligned action. Just looking halfway out, halfway in, still just letting your breath do whatever it does. The different uh, kind of master teachers are often depicted like this with their eyes a tenth of the way open. The Buddha, sometimes Shiva, the first yogi, all kind of giving us a teaching, a demonstration of that practice of looking out and in at the same time. Practicing awareness, but embodying more than just awareness, living it in the world. And on your next breath, you can start to blink your eyes all the way open. But maybe you have the tools to keep that inner stillness or inner balance, inner whatever you feel of meditation, even as your eyes open all the way and you start to transition out of the formal meditation. And here it is, that invitation to take whatever qualities you cultivated in this practice and view the next moment you live through that lens of awareness and maybe act through whatever act on the basis of whatever information that awareness gives you and then do it in the next moment and the next moment and the next so that your awareness becomes action and conscious living that transforms you your relationships and ultimately the world and i've been taught that this is the path of the modern yoga practitioner We are not the aesthetics who go into the mountains and live in seclusion to practice day by day. We do practice day by day, but we are tasked with living it in the world. It matters that we do. So thank you for doing so. Thank you for joining me for this awareness offering and for going into embodied practice with me. You can find me on social media at Laura Tara, L-A-U-R-A-T-A-R-A, on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. My intro and outro music was created by none other than my very own brother, Oxella Sun, O-X-E-L-A-S-U-N, whom you can also find on Instagram. <laughs>